Joanna Quisa, a tech entrepreneur and founder and CEO of Quisa Co, a strategic consultancy firm. The podcast is done in collaboration with Ascenta Partners. The pandemic inspired us to take a fresh approach to our businesses and leverage one of our greatest assets, our global network of executives. We have launched this Ascenta Insights series to answer specific questions across many business critical topics. In today's episode, we will hear from Ross Thornley, CEO and co-founder of AQAI. Ross is a serial entrepreneur and author of Moonshoot Innovation and AQ Decoded. He has spoken around the world on innovation, the future of work and the UN Sustainable Development Goals. His 20-year background in branding and innovation saw him build an agency employing over 100 people before a successful exit in 2017. Now Ross's work is opening up new frontiers in HR tech and edtech, leveraging conversational AI and predictive analytics. His company's platform enables people, teams and organizations to gain insight on who, how and why and when they adapt. We are delighted to welcome him to share his research and insights into human adaptability, a model for measuring AQ, and reveal how he is helping organizations to develop highly adaptable workforces, shifting from surviving to thriving in a rapidly changing world. Welcome, Ross. Thank you. It's really great to be here. And it's interesting, isn't it, as we look back on certain events in our lives and think about how did we get through it sometimes? You know, when, uh, when you're in it, you're just going through the motions. You know, you, you take a step in the path and it reveals itself. And then suddenly you find yourself in a situation and go, wow, was this what I intended? <laughs> was it what I meant? You know, and the challenges for me throughout my career have been this tension point between evolving and changing everything that I see that I don't like. And then listening to what's in the world and then changing who I am in order to thrive in those kind of situations. And it's our human nature to adapt. You know, that's part of evolution. It's part of life. And change is a consistent, always has been. I think it's what's uniquely different now and why I have really focused on adaptability and specifically AQ, which is the measurement of our adaptability, is because I saw such huge opportunity and risk. And entrepreneurs often see those things. It's, you know, two sides of the same coin, that there's always opportunity and there's always risk. And now it seems very obvious that everybody is being faced with having to adapt. The pandemic has accelerated us into perhaps 2025, the type of way we are working, you know, remotely. We're in distributed teams. A lot of job roles are shifting and changing. And for some, that's an exciting you know, innovative, it's giving birth to lots of creativity, but for others, it can be quite the opposite. It can be full of fear, full of anxiety, full of stress. And, you know, this reactions or responses are what means the difference between a collapse 
and thriving and surviving. And so this change has happened on such an accelerated time scale. What we were seeing before was about exponential technologies. So we were seeing these, you know, AI, robotics, quantum computing, sensors, all of these different things converging that were disrupting the very way we work. And, you know, you see all of these different statistics, you know, World Economic Forum talking about what kind of percentage of jobs won't exist in the next 10 years. You know, you hear stats like 40% of the jobs that exist today won't exist in 10 years. And you go, oh, okay, is that my job? Is that my colleague's job? I don't know. You start, you go deeper in it. And then you think, well, all of this is going to require a huge amount of reskilling. We're going to have to rethink. And the challenge is that many teams and many individuals aren't going to be able to do it quick enough or without it causing huge byproducts that are ones we don't want to have, you know, in terms of mental health issues, stress, anxiety, those kinds of things. So when we saw this and observed it, a lot of it actually came about when I was running innovation workshops with different organizations around the sustainable development goals. You mentioned the UN's global goals. And we would go into companies like Unilever, Vodafone, and help them to do this uh, what we termed moonshot innovation. It was horizon three innovation where you need your imagination to come up with something that doesn't exist yet. A lot of companies were very good and structured to do maybe horizon one and two innovation, which is you're looking at productivity, efficiency, you're evolving your core propositions with a few tweaks to extend their value over time or your market share. But to really do this innovation at the far end was very tough. You know, the structures, the governance, the, the risk, the systems that were put in place didn't allow for a lot of that kind of level of experimentation. And I thought kind of as a techie geek, you know, all these technologies would be seen as, oh, they're excellent. We can leverage these. These are the answers and they can solve a lot of those challenges. What I observed was it wasn't a technical issue, you know, it wasn't a technical challenge. It was more of a human one. And it was a human issue that people were not able when they're inside the system to know what to stop doing and what to start doing and how to adapt. You know, their immune system would come up and they'd hold on tightly to the things that perhaps were successful for them before and weren't able to let go soon enough. And we've all seen the stories and heard the stories of whether it's Kodak or Radio Shack or all these different companies that perhaps haven't innovated fast enough. And so that led us down the path of, if we need to improve something, you've got to know where you are currently. You've got to have your benchmark. You've got to have your measurement uh, to then know where's my gap? You know, where can I improve? How can I improve? So we, we've spent a good two and a half, three years with some of the world's most amazing minds and experts to understand human adaptability. And we've built our own model of what we've defined as adaptability. And this is converging research from around the world. You know, you don't have to invent the wheel, but you can build on great people's work. And that's one of the best things of our time at the moment is we're not working in silos Lots of these research people or activities are now accessible. So we started off looking at, okay, these, these different phrases, these different terms, things like resilience, things like grit, you know, uh, oh, fixed 
a mindset and growth mindset, you know, whether it's Carol Duckworth's work or, you know, all of these different things. And we're going, okay, let's go down the rabbit hole. You know, it was a real Alice in Wonderland moment as we started to do research on the research. And it built us to a model that we have, which is called ACE. And the acronym stands for ability, character, and environment. So if I break this down for you, ability is really how and to what degree do I adapt? So these are the core components of things like our grit, our mental flexibility, our mindset, our resilience. And I'll talk in a moment just about the difference between resilience and grit, because often that's quite confusing for people. And also a, an emerging subject and topic area called unlearning. So the ability to let go of something, whether that's a mindset or a process or a way of doing things, or even a piece of technology that is no longer serving you and it shifts, this metamorphosis happens from where it used to be a great springboard to help you achieve things. And overnight, it sneakily changed into the very ball and chain without telling you, and it's the very thing that stops you achieving what you're wanting to do next. And the C in our ACE model is character. This is very much about who adapts and why. And many of you are probably familiar with countless profiling tools, you know, DISC, Myers-Briggs, Belbin. We've all been through many of these. And our research and my own opinion, we have a very different view on personality. And that for us, it's not something that's fixed. It's something that is changeable, we can evolve. And a lot of the industry is built around categorizing and putting people into these typecast boxes. And we feel that can be quite limiting in terms of the vision of our future selves and what we our potential is to create new opportunities for ourselves by just being given permission that you can change it and you can shift it. There's a great book, if any of you are uh, readers of literature. It's called Personality Isn't Permanent by Ben Hardy. And it goes deep into this subject of is our personality fixed and dispels some of the myths of those different personality profiling tools and things. They have their place. And initially in our model, we were looking at, say, the big five. It's in the industry known as probably the best of a bad bunch in terms of the science behind it. And even some of those areas didn't live up to the rigor of the reliability and the validity that we wanted to achieve. So we've been measuring things like hope and motivation style. So does somebody need a burning platform to shift and change and adapt? Or is it a burning ambition? You know, do they play not to lose or do they play to win? When you know these things and as a manager, you can then communicate with them in a way in which you'll invoke the kind of results that you're after and also thinking style is also really important to understand those characteristics the final part which is often just completely missed from a lot of the assessments on individuals in recruitment and various things is the impact of our environment so of our model of ace the final piece is environment and this is when does someone adapt and to what degree if we think about it, there's a great saying of, you know, we're the sum of the five people we spend the most time with. And they influence our thoughts, our behaviors, you know, our interactions, what we even believe is possible. And so 
we wanted to see and understand what's the kind of influence our environment can have on when someone adapts and to what level and what degree. So things like company support, our team support, our work stress, our work environment, our emotional health, do these inhibit or do they accelerate our ability to adapt through change? And so across all of those different dimensions, we've been using some science and research like resilience, the BR6 scale, and all of these things to replicate and then do some new stuff like unlearning, which is a very new subject, a new area. And another little book tip for you, its title is called Unlearn. It's by an author called Barry O'Reilly. Uh, he's become a, a really good friend and has just some phenomenally simple but groundbreaking thinking of what unlearning is and as a concept and we go through lives of ah the pursuit of knowledge i've got to learn i've got to keep adding in to my cup keep adding into the glass but at what point should we actually be looking to empty out and let go of certain things let go of even an identity wrapped up in a role you know Often the, after the first question of, oh, hi, and we introduce ourselves and we get our name, it's often, oh, so what do you do? It's so wrapped up, our jobs, our careers, and our roles with our identity, it's very difficult to let go of that and be open to what new potential could be. And there's some research around just how long it takes us uh, to get over a job loss versus a relationship loss. And in fact, uh, the science it says it takes twice as long to get over a job loss as it does a relationship loss. So for me, this challenge of the future of work where we have been catapulted into a new environment, how has that affected our ability to collaborate? How has it affected our ability to innovate? In some cases, it's accelerated it. In others, it might be the very thing that is the downfall and we have to rethink our model rethink our propositions and so for us this adaptability quotient our adaptability intelligence one thing is knowing where we are what's the benchmark what's our profile what's our score what's our numbers and then how do we improve it and what do we do about it and that's a real breakthrough is it, think of it like your weight you know you stand on your weighing scales and the needle shows you where you are today then through your own goals, context, endeavors, you can shift where the needle is. You can learn about nutrition, you can learn about exercise, and you can move that needle depending on what your goal is. Your adaptability quotient is, should be thought of in the same way. We can learn about resilience, the ability to bounce back from something that doesn't go right. You know, how long does it take us? I'll give you an analogy, a sports analogy of this is if we're playing tennis and I take a shot and it goes into the net. That wasn't what I planned, wasn't what I wanted. It wasn't my vision. It wasn't what I've prepared for. And it wasn't what happened on the shot before, but it happened at this point. Does that then change me? Does it change my next shot? Does it change my performance on that game? Does it change the performance on that entire match? Or does it change my entire career? Do I have the resilience to bounce back very quickly. I can reset my mind. I can be very proactive. Can I actually even be better because of it? Or is it the downfall? So in work, when we're doing these things, a new process, something for the first time, and it hits the net, it doesn't give us the result we wanted that we were expecting. How quickly do we respond to be 
at least to the starting point that we were before it failed, or even better, we've learned something, but our mindset is we still have hope, we still have positivity, and that we're moving forwards with that. Grit is about passion and perseverance over the long term. So for example, coming back to that sports match, I can have great resilience within that game and come back, but the entire match, the entire year, the entire career, that takes passion and perseverance over the long term to have grit to say be the number one seed. So in work context, if I have resilience on the day-to-day basis, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, but am I still working towards a vision and a goal over a long term? Am I, you know, got the passion for it? Have I got the perseverance to do it? And I think if I, you know, can shift a couple of areas here, because I want to stay focused and give you some great tips. We've built an assessment tool to bring light to this, give you some, a very easy way for you to measure yourselves and your teams across these different dimensions. And then more importantly, because of how we've built it uh, inside a conversational AI chatbot, (laughs) and we're building lots of data to then be able to do predictive analysis look at what's the change readiness index and what's the reskill index of either that individual or the cohort of the teams. And this is really helpful when you're working with transitions, digital transformation, when we go through significant shifts, are we talking about it? Are we supporting them? Are we giving them a psychologically safe environment to experiment? And these are key factors when everything is changing around us that shift us from just hanging on and surviving to thriving. And I'm going to give you a couple of quick tips to uh, draw this in. And they're specifically around unlearning. And what I'd like you to think about doing is creating a list of what are the things that you're doing today that really aren't serving you well. And these can be things, it could be a software that you're using, it could be a process that you're doing, it could be something that historically, when you hit the ball, it got over the net, but recently it's been hitting into the net. So for example, you know, have emails been getting the responses that you've been wanting? Is, you know, the way you've approached your meetings when you were in person, the agendas, the rhythm, is that functioning the same way on Zoom? you know, when we're now connected and transported digitally, or do we need to reimagine the way in which we interact? So what are we stopping doing? And those are easy when it's a real glaringly obvious not working anymore. The hard ones are when they're sneaky, when there's a little applause, when there's at least maybe a little check written or a little well done from a colleague. But those are the ones that are stopping us from the breakthroughs that are coming next. So if you create a list of things of what technology, what mindsets, what processes, what behaviors, maybe even what words and language am I using? Am I using negative language now? Am I looking for issues and challenges and problems that perhaps I need to look at stop doing and I need to unlearn those things? And I want you to just pick one or two each week and make a commitment to your team, communicate it about what you're going to stop doing and use this as a low risk practice. So we don't go into the major leagues straight away. We should practice and build our skills of stopping and unlearning 
when they're low risk bits. And that gives us the confidence and capability to take new things on. The same is true on experimentation and radical experimentation. So this could be collaborating with a competitor. This could be launching something or trialing a bit of technology, say, ah, I've always been a bit worried about AI or about this piece. I've heard a lot of noise about it, but is it really that good? Where could you implement something for the first time within the next 48 hours? Within the next 48 hours, what could you do that you haven't done before in work or even out of work that you can learn from? What's your hypothesis? What's the experiment you're going to do? And equally, create some lists of this. Do it in the low-risk stakes to start with. Communicate to the team what you're taking on. And then at the end of each week, have a positive focus with the team. What did you stop doing and what did, you know, what did you learn from that? How did you find the experience? And what did you do for the first time that week? What you'll find is that you'll be able to shift the way in which you're adapting to new information, to a new landscape, to new data that's coming in and build your muscle, build your muscle of this experimentation, of resilience, of unlearning. And those are abilities that you can shift and change. And the other thing as a tip that I want you to think about is coming back to with the sum of the five people we spend the most time with. Cultivating hope is a critical, critical component to adapting. If we don't have hope, we collapse. How are you providing hope to others around you? And how are others providing hope to you? Are you communicating in positive ways? Are you looking not just at the news that might be full of negativity because that's what our brain responds to, our amygdala is you know, fed by negative. How might you be the hope? How might you be the light to encourage somebody to take an experimentation, to stop doing something, to give them the support that they need when something changes? Just be open, listen, ask questions. And a great framing as a last tip for you is to use something called how might we? Three great little words when we're framing a problem or a challenge and they're super powerful. It's used a lot. In fact, um, Procter and Gamble used to use it in the seventies and eighties of their challenge framing. How might we? So using how gives us hope that there might be a way to solve it you know, uh, and we start solution thinking. Might gives us permission that it doesn't have to be the answer. So it gives us an opportunity to be more experimental with the ways in which we might solve that opportunity or challenge or things that we're coming across. So might is a critical framing of it. And then we, that this is about being together. You don't need the entire answer. It's often a half-baked answer in one person's mind with another bit of an answer in someone else's mind that when hatched together is the very breakthrough that you're looking for. So to summarize, AQ is super important. Our adaptability is the superpower to help us thrive in an uncertain, hyper-complex world. Do it by beginning to understand how you adapt, who adapts, why, and start nurturing it. Then unlearning, critical piece, what am I gonna stop doing today? What am I gonna start doing? work in little 48 hour moments, build your confidence, reflect and share it in a positive way, frame things around your family, around your team, around your bits of how might we when you come across things. 
And so I hope that's helped uh, bring some light into adaptability, why it's important. We have a documentary film, which you might want to have a little look at uh, by a 15 times Emmy Award winning director, which was a great collaboration. It's about 11 minutes, short piece, all about AQ, adaptability, and why this really matters for everybody right now in order to thrive. Thank you, Ross, for giving us insights on how we can reflect on our own reactions to change and for organizations to take a nuanced approach and build a highly adaptable workforce. I think we all feel more inspired in these challenging times. In next week's episode, we will hear from Paco Solar, a digital transformation expert linked to the first digital MBA course, ISDI. ISDI is the worldwide leader in digital education and is on a mission to help professionals, entrepreneurs, enterprises and institutions in their transformation to become competitive in a digital era. Paco will share more about how to create a fail-fast culture, so a super exciting episode ahead. We look forward to welcoming you back as our audience and please consider subscribing to the Senta Insights podcast so you can catch up on previous episodes and not miss the upcoming ones.